the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. I'm joined by my co-host, Don Dix. And, uh, you know, we, we had this big State of the Union address, which I thought was a great speech, and, and we're going to get to that. Uh, but we have a we have a, one of my favorite writers. Another week where we've got way too much news to cram into an hour. And uh, this is testing. We could use another sponsor so that we could get an hour and a half or a two-hour show, Greg, if you have time to do that during the week. I will get I'll get right on that Don. Good. Good. So anyways, we have on the line with us one of my favorite writers at Breitbart, which is my that's when I want to check the news, I'll look at Breitbart, then I'll look at Gateway Pundit and then maybe then maybe some other sources after that. And then we have John Hayward and he writes on a whole wide wide range of topics and the article that prompted us to ask him on the show today was entitled A Wake-Up Call for Never Trump. And he outlines, and he starts off, Virginia's attempt to legalize infanticide was a wake-up call for some never-Trump Republicans who muttered that Democrats have gone so far off the rails they might feel compelled to vote for Donald Trump, heaven forbid. Re-election in 2020, and it should have taken, it should not have taken something this extreme to remind everyone how extreme and dangerous the Democrat Party has become. And he goes on to write, sitting out elections or actively throwing them to the Democrats are not viable strategies when the hands of the political doomsday clock stand at two minutes to midnight. John, welcome to the show, and thanks for all your great articles. And uh, why do you think that the hands of the political doomsday clock stand at two minutes to midnight? Well, I think we're very close to crossing some lines that cannot easily be uncrossed, at least not without just unimaginable levels of strife and discord and maybe violence in the country. And I find it very strange that anyone who is committed to, to the right, anyone who's a real conservative, sincere, you know, not a grifter, not one of these people that's just angling for a spot on CNN as the token conservative or something, but I mean somebody who really means it, really believes in conservative ideas, how can you possibly consider taking any actions that would give the Democrats more power, put more of them in office, give them the White House even in, in 2020 or have given it to them in 2016? when you see the stakes are this high and when you see that the Democrats are this close to implementing broad-scale socialism, takeovers that can't be reversed, taking over medicine, and attacking these principles that people who are conservative are, are very dedicated to. And the pro-life position, I mean, there's a spectrum of belief on pro-life, of course, and I think that all of us can agree that these late-term abortion and born-alive abortions, outright infanticide, I mean, this is just beyond the pale. So how can anyone sit back and say, 
say, sure, we'll throw the Democrats a few House seats in, in 2018. They should win. They, they should win to teach those Trump voters a lesson. Let's let the Democrats win. Well, this is what you get, folks. <laughs> I mean, your, your core principles are, are going to be aggressively hunted down and killed before your eyes if you give the Democrats a chance to do that. You're not teaching anybody a lesson. You're not winning some internal Republican Party civil war. You're putting the very core principles you claim to believe in at risk because you don't like President Trump or you don't like the way he talks or you don't think he can win in 2020 or whatever the, the various reasons are. I felt that way for a long time, too. I think the hands have been approaching midnight for quite some time. I was quite ready to throw in behind people like John McCain or Mitt Romney when they were the candidates. I didn't like them. They weren't my first choice. They, they weren't conservative enough for me, but it didn't take me two seconds to realize how dangerous the opposition was and, and get in line behind getting them elected once they were the nominees. Wow. If you're ever in California, I want to take you to a nice dinner of whatever your preference is. You are so spot on. And I want to see if I'm going too far. Last couple of talks I gave locally to Republican groups of different stripes. I started out by saying I've got good news and bad news. The bad news is I believe the republic is lost. And I don't think if you study the vast majority of what is under unfolding in this country, whether it's in the entertainment industry or academia, we're in liberal arts departments. In fact, in many colleges across the entire administration, 95 to 100 percent of the individuals that teach there or administer these institutions hail not just from the left with a Democrat Party registration, but are from the hard left, the ones that advance cultural Marxism and believe in the original sin of America, if you will. Um, I think in you can make a case for the fact that the republic is already lost. Have I gone too far? No, no, I think you're right. I, I think part of the difference here is that on the left, they believe in using power to adjust the electorate. They believe the government, the ruling class themselves, the elite, they should use their power to shape and mold the electorate to physically change it through mass migration. I mean, just to frankly replace it, if they think they can't make the electorate behave itself, they'll just bring in different voters. But even before they get to that point, they think they have a right and a duty to socially engineer you, to make you comfortable with different concepts, to give up on your irrational attraction to freedom and guns and capitalism, whatever else they think you don't like. And over on the right, they tend to be very allergic to this idea. They don't think it's right and proper to use government power to socially engineer the public. And I certainly understand that opinion. But when you're looking at who's making yards on the playing field, who's scoring touchdowns, who's moving the game in their direction, it's no question that the left is doing it. And they're doing it very aggressively to the point where giving them any more room to maneuver at all just seems incredibly dangerous to me. How many more brass rings are there left for them to grab at? I noticed starting maybe 10 or 15 years ago, it was during the, the Bush years, that I was reading a lot of things people on the left were writing. I try to keep up on their, their academic papers, on their intellectual treatises, their essays, and every time I would crack open a left-wing magazine, I would see it filled with stories about how they plan to win forever. If they can accomplish this or that tactic, they'll never lose elections again. If we can turn Texas blue, we win forever. There will never be another Republican president. If we take control of health care, that's it. We have socialism. There's no going back forever 
can never be reversed. They all venerate FDR for saying that nobody would ever be able to undo Social Security, that it, it changed the nature of American politics forever once he got that in place. They think Obamacare did that, too. That was one of the reasons they were willing to sacrifice to get it. Everywhere you look, they have these doomsday scenarios that end with them winning forever. You don't see that on the right. You don't look at people on the right side and see them writing papers about how if we can just do this, man, we're in there big. We, we control the White House and national politics for a generation to come. They don't think that way, and they're not anywhere close to achieving anything like that, and it's time to get in the game. The other side, well, you may disagree with them. You may even think that they're evil, which I do, but they are all dedicated warriors for their cause. And whether it's at, at Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or at that, or at that level, or at someone, it's a teacher, indoctrinating student, it's a professor, it's a university professor, someone in the bureau, whatever it is, they're advancing their goals, and they have goals, and they work at it every day to, as you said, they just don't want to win an election. They want to control. They want to dominate. They want to make America a one-party state like California is, has become. Well, of course, they look at California as a model. They can look at where California was 20 or 30 years ago, how much it changed, and they want to replicate that, the Democrats do, on a national scale. And I don't think enough people on the Republican side quite appreciate the danger of that actually happening, of things changing that dramatically all across the country if, if they don't fight for it. And as you mentioned, it's interesting how much of the Democrat philosophy is expressed in purely moral and cultural terms. They come up with ideas that don't make a lick of common sense, but if you object to them, they don't argue logically, they say you're evil. You're evil. You hate people. You don't want to comply with their demands because you're mean and vicious and nasty and greedy. Almost everything the left is pushing is justified as a moral crusade, and they're fighting on a battlefield the right has been almost completely frightened out of. The heavyweight conservative political thinkers, the commentators, a lot of the Republican Party's heavyweights, those people have been told for 30 years that they shouldn't engage in cultural issues, it's suicide, everybody wants fiscal conservatism and social liberalism, or whatever they want to free that these days they've been completely terrorized out of phrasing any part of their agenda in moral terms. And it means it's essentially a one-sided battle where one side is unilaterally disarmed and the other side is nothing but moral arguments. They're doing it right now. The Green New Deal finally it's got published today. Absolutely. I've seen it. Yep. It's eye-rolling lunacy. It's sheer madness. But if you object to it, you're going to be called evil. They're not going to try to convince you it's logical or it could work or the numbers add up. They're going to express it in moral terms. You're evil and you don't love the earth if you oppose what they want to do. Which leads to another article. And we're going to take a pause here. Another great article you wrote recently, Trump fights the Covington culture war after passive conservative surrender. And we're going to dive further into this moral Battle. Don wants to say something before we go. No, I just want to remind people we're talking to John Hayward, and you can follow him on Twitter at, at doc underscore zero, at doc underscore zero. And we'll come back with uh, doc underscore zero after this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the 
same amount as they would have otherwise, with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on Earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM590, The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. AM590, The Answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM590, The Answer. We are alarmed by the new calls to adopt socialism in our country. America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free and we will stay free. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. We are joined today on the United IE Radio Show, Greg and I, by John Hayward. He is Greg's favorite author on Breitbart, understandably so. And we were talking about an article that he recently penned for Breitbart, uh, a warning, if you will, a wake-up call for Never Trump. And I was uh, inspired to include this clip from Donald Trump's uh, State of the Union address because of our conversation in the first segment. And I want to ask your opinion, John. Do you think that part of the reason in this and Greg uh, suggested that the left is so united to their agenda is that the left largely has removed God from not just in many cases their lives or they've completely reconstructed the image of God and removed it from schools and so forth, that they're united because their religion, which isn't based on a creator or Christianity uh, largely anymore, that their religion is Mother Earth. They've brought about this Green New Deal that on the heels of Trump talking about socialism in his State of the Union, saying that the United States is energy independent, larger, large, one of the largest producers of energy in the country. This week, they've introduced what you referred to in the first segment as the Green New Deal. Is this the religion of the left? I would say the religion is actually worship of the state itself. I sometimes call okay. them the church of the state, because even when they're not talking about environmentalism, they tend to justify most of their agenda in messianic terms and religious terms. And that this thing with abortion, especially these late-term abortion procedures, these gruesome infanticide horrors, this is a religious sacrament to them. And one of the reasons they view it that way is that it lets them embrace the power of the state into themselves. It's like transubstantiation. If you support late-term abortion and killing born-alive infants, then you're adopting a little bit of the state's divine power to still have life and death. You're winning the ultimate political struggle against a person who cannot vote against you, the baby. The baby doesn't get a vote, so the baby dies. That's a religious idea, and it's something that they cling to with great passion. I think Mother Earth is one of their patron saints. I mean, in, in the Church of the State, there's a pantheon, and Mother Earth is one of the most important saints because Mother Earth is the ultimate example of a constituency who cannot speak for herself. They're the high priests of Mother Earth. They tell you what she needs. They 
predict the weather 100 and 200 and 500 years from now, their, their clerisy does, and they tell you what you have to sacrifice to appease her, but she can't speak up and say that they're wrong. You know, she can't argue back. So they love having this gigantic dependent, this client that they can speak for who can never speak for herself, and which justifies limitless power. This Green New Deal is limitless power. There's stuff in this Green New Deal that would just, I mean, the totalitarian masters of China would roll their eyes at some of the stuff in this package and say, really? You guys are going to do that? Mm. Which, in mentioning of abortion, you had another recent article, The Left's Comfort with Infanticide is a Warning About Medicare for All. So when you have the people that are willing to kill already born living, breathing babies, do you really want these people in charge of your health care? I think that's an incredibly terrifying prospect. If they can justify making an infant comfortable while the doctor and mom decide whether they want to kill her or not, what are they going to do to you when you're old and you're a drain on the healthcare system? You know what happens in socialism. There's always shortages. It's Venezuela. They're running out of toilet paper. That's going to happen with socialized medicine. Almost immediately, it's going to go bankrupt. Obamacare costs like five times what they said it would. Imagine what socialism, socialized medicine, Medicare for all, imagine what that would actually cost beyond their prediction. And that means there's going to have to be rationing. You can only do so much to force people to provide medicine at gunpoint. Then you have to start rationing all the short supplies. And at that point, the people who are currently very comfortable with deciding that babies in the third trimester and born-alive infants aren't really human are going to start deciding that you old geezers aren't really human either. You have to go. And you're, you're going to be gotten rid of because keeping you alive is too expensive. Your quality of life, the return on investment for the state is not good enough to keep you alive any longer. You know they're going to do that. Sarah Palin warned about it with the death panels comment very memorably in the early days of Obamacare. She was absolutely right. And you know that's what's coming if they ever take control of medicine. You know, it's funny you should mention that. Just a quick aside, Greg has a uh, another uh, question for you. But I was attacked on Facebook not too long ago, and one of the comments was, "Don't wor- you know? I- I'm really not worried because one day all of you people, meaning us older people that you know believe in uh, liberty, freedom, and the republic, will be dead and gone, and we'll be free to roam about the cabin." Is essentially what this person said. So you're right. I mean, there is a uh, whether it's institutionalized in terms of death panels or just them sort of waiting around until the clock runs out on this generation that does see this uh, great struggle that's happening uh, right now and trying to preserve those concepts die off. After I first mentioned something like this online, I heard from a reader in the UK who said over here, they already talk that way. If you look at the Brexit versus Remain debate, the Remainers, the people that want to neutralize and nullify the Brexit vote about leaving the European Union, they have openly been talking about how they think the Remainers are old and they're all going to die soon, and they should die soon, and that once they die, then politics will change forever and the the youthful Remainers will will control everything. I mean, they are not shy about talking about getting rid of this older demographic that doesn't believe in socialism, and you can bet they're going to do it once they control medicine. I wouldn't be surprised to see something very similar to China's social credit system taking shape Mm. in socialist countries in the West. And under that system, your politics will be analyzed. And if you're a troublemaker and you're politically unhelpful and and you wear a red hat, a MAGA hat, you smirk, you dare to smirk at at an approved individual, well, then maybe you don't get health care. Maybe you don't deserve the same kind of health care as a good citizen as good politics does. And we've seen that, and uh, that uh, 
in terms of what the Democrat Party threatens is they don't have, it's not a one party state now, but they are certainly willing to use the FBI and the Department of Injustice and the IRS and other agencies and levers of government power against their opponents. So if, it, if they control the health care system, why wouldn't they use it against their opponents? Well, once the, the government controls medicine entirely, the argument about sovereign citizens is over forever. That That's it. You're never going to go back to a point where the government is subordinate to the citizens because they control your life, and they're going to use that control. Look at what happens now. If you're a Tea Party type and you go out and you advocate government spending restraint and you want to cut money and you talk about the crazy amounts of money that Uncle Sam spends on studying robot squirrels and whatever else he's out there doing, what do you hear back immediately from the people who defend big government? Oh, well, you want to defund teachers. You want to defund police and firefighters. Well, we'll just have to fire all the cops because of your spending cuts. How do you like that, you right-wing maniac? Imagine what they're going to say when they control medicine and you come along and say, hey, the government spends too much. You guys are wasting too much money. We need a tax cut. Oh, you want a tax cut? Well, okay, we'll just march people into a car and kill them because we're not going to be able to pay for their medicine anymore. We'll just kill 50,000 people. How do you like that? You'll never hear the end of that. You will never regain your sovereignty once the state controls your very life. Let's pause for another word from our sponsor for this half hour, uh, Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with John Hayward from Breitbart News after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590 The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are pleased to have uh, John Hayward of Breitbart News on the line with us. Changing the subject slightly, uh, but also in terms of what the threat of the Democrat Party and the left is, is Breitbart has certainly been probably the number one target of the left's attempt to suppress freedom of speech. And, through, and they can't do it because of the First Amendment by law, but they can do it through intimidating advertisers and trying to drive conservative publication and media out of business. And you guys have been hanging in there so far, but is it, are they making it tough for you? Well, this is deplatforming. That's the term of art for this kind of thing. And it's a bad idea that's been bubbling on college campuses for the past decade or so. It's just kind of bursting into the mainstream over the last five or six years, I guess. But before that, college campuses had, had kind of pioneered this idea of not so much outright banning people that you don't like. You just make it really difficult for them to speak. You make it difficult and dangerous. There has to be extra security. You, you make it as hard as you can, and then you go to the people that broadcast that speech, and you say, do you really 
want all this trouble by broadcasting this guy's speech, and they say no, and they, they cancel your appearance, they cancel your appointment. Well, you see that getting done all the time. The advertisers now, they scare advertisers away, and they say, well, we're not really restricting your First Amendment rights. You know, we're, we're not sending out the uh, censor squad to muzzle you. We're just going to make it so that you can't run your website at a profit, and you can't sell advertising time, and you can't have listeners, and you can't do public events, and all of your employees need to be worried about their lives. And, and once all of that is true, do you still feel like speaking, or do you think maybe you might prefer to shut up? I mean, that, that's what the left is doing to people. It's, it's a monstrous, insidious idea that has really caught fire in the culture. And I think we're doing just fine, but we're big. You know, there, there are a lot of much smaller operations than Breitbart News that are much easier to intimidate with these tactics. And I think they're going to continue to be used for that reason. They've been successful in a depressing number of cases. And there's a new Jordan just, Peterson got deplatformed with Patreon and uh, his other the other individual that travels now with Jordan Peterson. Um Dave Rubin, uh, they got deplatformed from Patreon, and they're trying to come up with a new platform. Uh, speaking of Jordan Peterson, I went to his uh, conference recently. He did an appearance out here in Southern California. I was amazed at the number of young people that had uh, that were in attendance there, and I just am, am wondering along the lines of you know what are the solutions to some of the things that we've been talking about. Do you see Jordan Peterson as being a part of and the opportunity to turn things around, given the way that his appeal is rising among the millennial generation? Sure, absolutely, and I think the pro life movement is too. Look at how many young people show up for the March for Life. You don't really see a lot of media coverage of it. Obviously, they don't want you to see that. But there's an awful lot of young people that show up for those those things, you know. And one of the reasons is that they're thinking in terms of the future. They're questioning what they've been told to believe in their academic courses. They're questioning the liberal hierarchy. And they're hearing people that are saying things that make sense and that appeal to them at some deep level. They know that what they've been taught for most of their young lives isn't true. It, it's not right. And they're looking for something that better explains the world around them. A glimmer of hope from our guest, John Hayward, as we will continue with him after the break. It's John Hayward, one of Greg Britton's favorite authors, and it's plainly clear to, when you hear him talk why. You can follow John Hayward on Twitter at, at Doc underscore zero, and you can also follow his work on Breitbart News. We will continue with John and a question about what happens to this country if Trump is not reelected as we continue on the Unite IE radio show. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire Radio Show, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. Greg Britton, my co-host, has a fa- has a favorite author that writes for Breitbart. His name is John Hayward. You can follow him on Twitter at, at doc underscore zero. He is a, uh, you, you got to say, prolific writer when you Google him uh, through the Breitbart News website and search for John Hayward. All of his, uh, his writings will come up. What got Greg's attention was an article that he wrote essentially a warning to never Trumpers. And I can completely agree with that. Um, You know, there is an element within both, I think, the Republican Party, as well as uh, this group of people that just find Donald Trump too hard of a pill to swallow folks on the right. Donald Trump's campaign recently carved a trail through some very important districts during the midterms helping to preserve the Senate 
for the Republican majority, essentially yielding the Cong- uh, the House of Representatives to the Democrats because the territory was too far, uh, too much to be able to have a glimmer of hope of maintaining control. Plus, history wasn't on our side. However, uh, Donald Trump intuitively, and maybe this was his campaign manager, Brad Pascal, that that uh, divined this strategy, but he went to the states where there was an opportunity to preserve and, in fact, expand the Senate. Uh, a similar strategy unfolded in the election of 2016 when he went after the Electoral College uh, votes as Hillary went for the popular vote and carved a victory then. 2020 looms. We've got a, a a window of opportunity over the next two years that we can continue advancing conservative principles under a Trump agenda or Trump administration. What happens, John Hayward, if we're unsuccessful in maintaining a Trump administration into uh, the four years beyond 2020? Well, I believe in having vigorous primaries. So if 2020 is going to be a vigorous primary, then great, let's do that. That's what it's for. But after that, if President Trump secures the renomination, it would be just insanely dangerous to the point of suicide to try to undermine that in any way when you look at what the other side is going to do. And one of the things President Trump has been very good at is being bold. He's reengaged in cultural battles. We were told not to use cultural battles anymore. We were told not to speak in terms of right or wrong. He does. And it's been very successful. It resonates with people, the State of the Union speech had some great stuff in there that anybody should be able to use, even if, if Trump wasn't the nominee and somebody else wins the primary. His State of the Union had a lot of great roadmap stuff for how to take the fight to the left and how to win people back. Voters respect boldness, and they see it as a sign of conviction. And too often, when you look at the Republican candidates, it just got clobbered. You know, look back to the McCain, look back to Romney campaign, look at how timid they were. They seemed insincere. They didn't seem like they really believed it. They were always on defense. They were always being hammered by the media about gaffes and whatnot. They were always essentially apologizing for daring to run against Barack Obama. I mean, voters don't like that stuff. They, they don't think you really believe what you believe if you can't be bold and outspoken in defense of it. And President Trump doesn't have that problem. He's bold and outspoken every time he walks up to the microphone. You can learn a lot from that. Learn how he works off an audience, how he enjoys talking about things, how he likes being in the fight. We really need scrappy leaders, not apologetic, defensive ones. And that also ties into how he jumped into it. He was willing to defend the Covington students when most Republicans wanted nothing to do with that. All they had to do was say racism, Indian elder, and most of our side ran from the, bat- ran from the battlefield, but a few, Donald Trump being one of them, uh, did, uh, did not. Do you think that you, you mentioned the primary? Do you think the, the establishment's going to try to primary Donald Trump in 2020 to undermine him? It's it's so hard to predict that because it is very difficult to do. It's really hard to primary the president of your own party when he runs for re-election. And look at the food for thought State of the Union has given anyone who's planning to do that. Up until now, they've been hearing the media tell them President Trump is incredibly unpopular and he's doomed and, and anybody can beat him and, you know, we've got to replace him as fast as we can. Then he gives the State of the Union and what happens? CNN, CBS, all these lefty media outlets, 80% approval for his speech, you know, through the roof. How is that possible if he's universally despised and no 
nobody's listening to him anymore. I mean, that's obviously not true. So if you're planning a primary challenge, I think you're going to need a really strong ground to try to convince the rest of the party that they shouldn't get behind the incumbent president because it's going to be so hard to win any election for anybody, not just now, Democrat, Republican, you name it. If you primary the sitting president, it's really hard to run another candidate and say, oh, look, the other candidate of our party was no good, but vote for this guy instead. I mean, that's just a message that does not settle well with voters. Another big factor, I think, in the 2018 election, and this could be even bigger in 2020, is the effect of big dem tech. And there was an article on Breitbart, I don't know, a month or so ago, which Professor Epstein estimated that just Google shifted between 800,000 and 4.4 million voters in the 2018 election to the Democrat Party. And our side, other than maybe a little bit of hand-wringing sometimes, is doing absolutely nothing about this grave threat. Well, part of the problem there is that you have people on the traditional right, the establishment right, who have the feeling that these are private businesses and it's nobody's business what they do. And if they all want to be subsumed by left-wing politics and become left-wing censors, then that's their decision. It's their nickel. And if you don't like it, you should found your own Twitter or found your own Facebook or, or whatever to run against them. I mean, I get that. I understand where they're coming from. But that isn't at all how the left thinks. They've captured these organizations, aggressively captured them, captured their employees, captured their corporate philosophy. You need to do something about this. And if, if the people who control the means of delivery of speech are no longer honest brokers, they're no longer impartial deliverers of a mode of communication, well, then they've become publishers and editors, and they should be regulated and tr- treated just like anybody else. And that idea terrifies them, and it should. You know, it destroy their business models. But that should be the choice put on the table for big tech. If you guys are going to be like this, and you're going to arbitrarily ban conservatives for quoting what liberals say while not banning the liberals, well, you know, sorry, you can't pretend to be an impartial organization anymore. Right. They become communication services. It's like the phone company. I mean, you, I mean, you imagine the phone company was going to listen to your phone calls, and if he doesn't like the political content of them, you're going to censor your phone calls. These companies have become communication services like that. And, and I think the Covington Catholic incident was a great example of that becoming a big problem. I think that, that was really a surge forward in this question of, of irrelevant bannings, I mean, inexplicable bannings, accounts being canceled for no good reason. It's been happening for a long time. But it seems like an ocean of that stuff started just pouring out after the Covington Catholic incident, probably because so many people on the right started engaging in a cultural issue. And the people who run these companies, the leftists who run their censorship boards, started aggressively shutting them down. And it just became too big of a problem to ignore it's so ridiculous now that something has to be done. You've been very generous with your time with us today, John. I really appreciate it. John Hayward, author uh, that is uh, whose work is cataloged on Breitbart and also on Twitter. You can follow him at at doc underscore zero in our final minute or two with you. Could you give most of the people that tune into our show are activists of one stripe or another, and they have uh, issues that range from immigration to national security. Uh, Your body of work covers a lot of territory. What would you say to the activists that are out there that are doing whatever it is they feel they need to do in order to uh, push back on the greater uh, scope of what we see unfolding? What's your advice to us? What would you tell us to do uh, in order to maintain the republic and push back on the left? 
I think you need to maintain a good energy level. People need to be excited. You need to be confident, which means you need to be righteous. The other side does not have the monopoly on righteousness. You should be righteous about what you believe in. It's persuasive when people see you really believe what you believe and you're energetic about it. And then you build towards where you want to go. You keep your eyes firmly fixed on the destination and you take the steps necessary to get there, knowing that you're going to have to change a lot of people's minds every step of the way to make your ideas work with them. Mm. It's an uphill battle for sure, but one uh, that's great advice. Uh, If we could maybe tap into that battery pack that Donald Trump has, because the guy seems like the never the ever ready bunny. I almost said never ready bunny. But (laughs) John, so so good to be with you. Thank you so much for being with us. And uh, we will have you back because um, you are tapping into something. I think a lot of people who write and blog uh, really haven't. So thank you for your body of work and thank you for being with us here on the United IE Radio Show. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me. We're going to take a break and come back with some uh, thoughts about the State of the Union and some other events that are unfolding in the culture as we return after our message from our sponsor for this half hour. All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen, and as we proudly like to, to, to announce, the number one conservative talk radio show in our time slot, in our market, and that we've worked hard to get there, Don. Well, we have, and we work hard every week to make sure that people tune in and have, uh, you know, include the United IE Radio Show in their weekly uh, body of listening. And I think today's show gives them another reason to continue doing that. What a great interview with John Hayward. That was great. Not not because of us, because of oh, him. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. He yeah. Is, uh, he is a, uh, he's a powerhouse. He's got a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of material at his fingertips, and he really is a dedicated uh, author, and he understands I think genuinely what is unfolding in this country. The other, the other, of course, big news of the week is Donald Trump's State of the Union, and, and I watched it, and I thought it was a great speech, very moving speech. His use of the guests in the in the in the gallery to tell their stories as part of this larger story of what Rush called he called the story of American greatness, and that was the overall theme of. His entire speech, and it was funny as as, as you watch them uh, uh, pan to the Democrats in the audience, and there some of them are going, "Are we, are we supposed to?" They look at each other. Are we supposed to applaud this? Are we supposed to sit down? And and they and they, they they couldn't think for themselves. They had to see what the the rest of the group was doing, or get their direction directly from yeah. Nancy Pelosi right. on at the uh, dais. Right. One notable exception was. And I thought she was a far left loon. Uh, is Kirsten Sinema, the new senator from Arizona? She wasn't wearing white. 
She didn't follow the rule you know, in, and dress exactly as she was told to do to show that she's a strong, independent woman and uh, stand up and applaud only when she's told to to show that she's a strong, independent woman. But she, was sta- she stood up and was, was applauding enthusiastically when Donald Trump talked about right to try. In other words, people that have terminal illnesses can try experimental drugs and see if those drugs can save their lives. And she thought that was a, she thought that was a good idea and she was applauding it. Another new Democrat senator, um, I forget the lady's name from Nevada, stood up next to her. And you could see her lip reading. She said, watch your ass to, the, to Kirsten Sinema, who was, who was applauding Donald Trump. So I guess you're not allowed to think for yourself. But I thought that was one interesting, notable exception of one of them who's actually thinking for herself compared to the rest of them all dressed the same and looking to each other for whether they're supposed to applaud or not. Well, the reaction largely from the white clothed Democrats was to sit on their thumbs, regardless of what the topic was, whether it was Donald Trump appealing to us to embrace his agenda of America greatness vis-a-vis a a whole variety of of things or things that were so obvious, Uh, like, for instance, when he talked about the recent uh, controversy about abortion brought to light by the uh, recent uh, change in the laws in New York or the controversial comment by the Virginia governor, the idea that you can uh, give individuals the power to terminate life, viable life in the last term. A living, a, well, more than that, it was a living born breathing baby in the case of the governor yes infanticide which is a term i don't think has been largely talked about until that interview exposed what the law that was being considered at the time we have that uh, audio clip also that we heard of the delegate tran in the virginia committee hearing where she was being questioned directly about what does this law allow a woman uh, a doctor to do and indeed it means term it was funny listening to that clip because when she she stumbled and stumbled initially saying i really wish our experts were here to answer these questions and whoever was questioning her was very direct and very persistent about does this mean that a mother has the right to end the life of a viable or born baby and she had no choice she had she had no cover she didn't, and she admitted that her bill did exactly that. One of the big th- subjects of the uh, speech and as well as the ongoing debate is whether to secure the border. And of course, the Democrats have made clear that they absolutely do not want to secure the border. They want that border open for an unlimited flow of new Democrat voters, regardless of the cost and effect on Americans. Here's what Donald Trump had to say with some commentary by another leading political figure in America. Tonight, I am asking you to defend our very dangerous southern border. We do have to have control of our borders. Tens of thousands of innocent Americans are killed by lethal drugs that cross our border. How do we get control over the border that's become more violent because of the drug trade? Working class Americans are left to pay the price for mass illegal immigration, reduce jobs, lower wages. They end up being abused, and that depresses 
the wages of everybody, all Americans. Yeah, and that, and that, of course, that was a that was a great piece by by Hannity interspecting inter- uh, Barack Hussein Obama with Donald Trump's speech, in which Obama is saying the same things that Donald Trump is now a racist, fascist Nazi for suggesting that we should actually secure the border and stop illegal immigration. Well, we have had no shortage of opportunities to hear how the left, the political left, has uh, in, has positioned border security in the past. They were for it. They voted for it. Uh, they they wanted it just as much as Republicans were saying they wanted it. Somewhere along the way, though, they figured that this position regarding border security was no longer tenable with their other objectives, which are to replace voters that are walking away from the Democrat Party. Uh, and I think that's a large part of it. But also... I think there's pressure from other forces that are emerging in the world, in the globe, that are that are wanting to bring about globalism. And there's that aspect of the agenda as well, that a border wall at the south uh, directly opposes the objective of globalism and allowing people to come into this country. Right. And we see the same thing in Europe where the European ruling class wants to bring in 300 million people from Africa to basically replace their existing population, replace their existing culture. And that's that. if and when there is an honest history of this age written, the betrayal by the rulers of of the Western countries that have benefited, they've gotten the education, they've done well financially, they hold positions of power and influence either in government or in big business or in the media or in the academia, to turn against the countries and the civilization and the principles that made all of that possible, that produced more prosperity and more freedom than has ever existed in the world you want to replace all of that, and it's 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 fascinating. And historians may be scratching their head as to what the heck happened. Why would people turn against a system that produced that much freedom and that much prosperity? This is our challenge here in uh, America, and for us locally here in the Inland Empire, and for us in our communities, to figure out how do we uh, stop what has become a uh, the the dominant political and cultural movement of the, these priorities out of California into the rest of the country, because as California goes, so goes the rest of the country. And this election, this midterm coming up, we need to start thinking about it and strategizing on it because we need to do our part here in Southern California to both ensure the reelection of Donald Trump as well as the election of conservatives to the extent that we can to counteract what has happened over the last two election cycles. Well, here and here's the grave threat, uh, is that if the Democrats get the presidency, the Senate, and keep the House in 2020, in January of 2021, they will pass mass amnesty that will cover 20 to 40 million illegal immigrants, and they will keep the borders wide open so millions of more New Democrat voters pour in every year, and America won't just be like California. America will be like 
Venezuela. They, I mean, they will have total and complete power. It'll be a one-party state. And we've seen what they're willing to do when it's not a one-party state. What will they do? What won't they do when it is a one-party state and nothing can be done because of all of these new Democrat voters that have been amnestied in and brought in? What did the media think of President Trump's State of the Union address? We'll be back with a little bit of a take on that as we continue on the Unite IE radio show after a break from our sponsor for this half hour. All Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All Star Collision. 951 279 9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951 279 9161. AM590, the answer. Here very quickly is a little sampling of how the media responded to Donald Trump's State of the Union entitled Choose Greatness. I saw this as a as a psychotically incoherent speech with cookies and dog poop. He is demonizing uh, 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 people who are immigrants in a way that was appalling. There is nothing that was said last night that is credible, believable, or memorable. That the President of the United States at this moment in the world did not mention climate change in even a sentence is just frankly a disgrace. Now, compare and contrast what Spiro Agnew called the nattering nabobs of negativism with how Donald Trump ended his speech. We must choose whether we squander our great inheritance or whether we proudly declare that we are Americans. We do the incredible. We defy the impossible. We conquer the unknown. This is the time to reignite the American imagination. This is the time to search for the tallest summit and set our sights on the brightest star. This is the time to rekindle the bonds of love and loyalty and memory that link us together as citizens, as neighbors, as patriots. This is our future, our fate, and our choice to make. I am asking you to choose greatness. No matter the trials we face, no matter the challenges to come, we must go forward together. We must keep America first in our hearts. We must keep freedom alive in our souls. And we must always keep faith in America's destiny. That one nation, under God, must be the hope and the promise and the light and the glory among all the nations of the world. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you very much. All in all, a great speech. We can improve on that. Tune in next week on AM 590, The Answer, 4 p.m. for another edition of Unite. IE Radio.
When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.